All right, it's the Storm Tracker Podcast. Marcus Benjamin here with Frank Tucker, representing for CanesCounty.com, of course, part of the Rivals Network. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Canes County. Also, uh, follow us on Instagram, Canes.County, and also on Twitter, Canes underscore County. And today we are going to talk about a, a bunch of topics here, uh, talk a little crystal ball, the transfer portal, um, maybe some possible coaching changes. Of course, we'll tap into recruiting and talk about the game of the week here, which is Miami versus Clemson. Uh, but first, Frank, let's talk about Mario Crystal Ball's comments this week, man. It, it's been kind of crazy, um, viral video um you know all over the internet where he basically said you can come pick up your kid if, if you're not happy about playing time to to uh parents and i was surprised at the comments when i heard it um yeah i actually didn't it it, it didn't register for me until i actually re heard it again it was it, it's um it, it's something that is kind of ironic though uh, because Cristobal is always usually saying, let's not create a narrative. And he definitely kind of created one uh, with this comment. I think it was out of frustration. Um, and he was showing some emotion there. But when you heard it, what were your thoughts? My thoughts were, he's fed up. He's fed up with the team. He's fed up with the parents. He's fed up with the lack of progress from some of the supposedly high recruits on the team. I think he showed a lot of emotion throughout that press conference. It wasn't just that one, that one comment that he made, he, you know, it seemed like he kind of threw a subliminal at, at Thad Franklin that we heard, you know, walked off the field. Uh, you know, there was subliminals at other players on the team, right? Keyshawn Smith, he kind of imposed, you know, said was, uh, you know, kind of going down a different path and Colby Young, it was just one after the other. He was just kind of spitting off, was kind of fiery a little bit towards us um, in the press conference. Um, but I understand where he's coming from. They're 500. The expectation for him is always to win. And, you know, sometimes you got to be frank with people. You don't want to create a narrative, but you got to you have to be clear and concise and let people know what the deal is. And I think that's what he's doing right now. And I think besides behind the scenes for the entire year, He's been doing that. And that's part of the reason why there's been some conflict between some of the coaches and the parents and players. Right? It, it, some of those parents are frustrated because I guess they were promised something from uh, the, you know, the previous staff. And Mario's coming in and saying we're changing things. So I commend him for how he's approaching this, honestly, and, um, you know, making sure his culture is above all. Yeah, I think the deeper message here is – we are going to totally transform this program and totally transform this football team. So we are going to take the guys that we feel are ballers, so to speak, and and anybody who is average, subpar, below average, they can, you know, see the door. I think that that is kind of the the the, the message because Mario wants to bring in his guys and he wants to bring in guys that are infused with his culture. And I think the guys of the past are still under maybe a different mindset. Uh, so I think he's trying to weed out those guys. And I don't think he has any hard feelings about what he said or, or the message that he's trying to convey. And it was reported that, of course, like you said, Dad Franklin walked off practice, uh, you know, this week. And from what I heard through a source is that uh, Coach Kevin Smith not happy with uh, his effort throughout the season. That's why he's not been getting a lot of playing time uh, this season and that, you know, he – He's just being outworked by other running backs. And I'm not surprised that Don Chaney, who has been injured all season, has now jumped over him on the depth chart. So 
Um, I'm actually excited to see Don Chaney. Hopefully he gets a couple of carries this uh, Saturday against Clemson. But it's going it's gonna to be hard for him to jump up in, in that uh, rotation of backs, especially next season when you have a Trevante citizen uh, who will be getting some of those carries next year. And whoever they decide on in the recruiting class, I think is it would, would essentially bump that out of the rotation as well, because you're not going to jump over Henry Parrish. You're likely not going to jump over Jalen Knighton, who Chris the ball praised uh, this week. And then you got Trevante Citizen and Don Chaney. So those are four backs right there that I don't think uh, Thad really jumps over in the depth chart. So it might, you know, benefit him to transfer out of the program and to, to find a place where he can get more carries. Uh, late, latest intel that, that uh, we've heard is that Rutgers could be a possibility. Are you hearing any 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 other places for, for that? Or? Yeah, so, you know, I think it's probably going to be somewhere in the Big Ten. Uh, South Florida has been a, a breeding ground for running backs for Iowa uh, for the past couple of classes. I could see that being a potential spot. You know, there, there's been other places where coaches have recruited him, you know, before. I mean, he was a high four-star recruit, right? He was one of the yeah. best running backs in the country. I had a Shaman Abadana, was a 2,000-yard back at one point. So, there's, there, you know, there's going to be some spots for him. I wouldn't be surprised to see Florida State jump back back, jump back into the, th- you know, thick of things. Maybe even a Florida um, if they miss out on Mark Fletcher in this class as their potential big black big back uh, next season. Um, so, you know, those are – those are some spots that, you know, I'm hearing there could be some some traction with. Yeah, and then another guy who's been kind of talked about as far as transferring out is Keyshawn Smith, like you said. Um, I'm hearing today that he jumped on a plane to California already. I mean, that that's actually what, what I've heard already, um, and that he will, you know, uh, try to – get on the team for either San Diego state or, or USC or are the places that I'm hearing. He's obviously from Southern California, but uh, from what I hear uh, it's pretty much done with, with Keyshawn Smith and and they're just going to move on uh, from him. Yeah. The comments from Mario were didn't do the right things on and off the field. The guys, the guys behind him jumped him. Because of that, hard work, dedication, learning the playbook. And then, you know, we saw his mom go on Twitter at the beginning of the year and and allude to a transfer to USC. And one of the things that I think Josh Gaddis should be commended on was his comments behind the scenes to the team saying, you're the worst offense that I've ever coached. And (laughs) and it's factual. And it's factual. this This is the worst offense he's ever been a part of. At any level of football, yeah. I I have said the whole year I don't think it's on Gaddis uh, for the offensive woes. I think it's because they had guys in there that weren't buying in. They had kids that didn't fit the scheme, and overall, you're seeing guys like that starting to jump on plans before the season even ends. They have have talent. I don't think we'll ever sit here and say Keyshawn Smith doesn't have talent. I think that it's just not the right spot for him. He maybe needs to just go back home and refine himself. Uh, because he never became that vertical threat that everybody hoped for uh, when, when he signed to the University of Miami as late in the process. So it's unfortunate to see him leave, but I think it's just going to bring more opportunities for the Brashard Smiths and the, you know, the Jacoby Georges and, and guys like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a long list of guys that could potentially transfer and I'm not, I'm not confirming any of these guys will transfer, but, there's some thought that they may, you know, try their hand at the portal. I mean, players like Jake Garcia, uh, Romello Brinson, uh, Lawrence Seymour, uh, maybe I've, you know, you, you know, uh, James Williams, uh, uh, Avante Williams, um, you know, another player that I think might consider uh, transferring as well. And it's not a name that people bring up as far as transferring, but it is a name that uh, 
a lot of, I would say, Hurricanes fans aren't, aren't particularly fond of, and that's Corey Flagg. You know, Corey Flagg is a guy, he's the leading, it, it's funny to say that because he's the leading tackler on the team. Uh, but next season, and I think, it, it, I don't know, it, it, I, he's potentially going to be, you know, bumped out by a Wesley Saint, and then you have, I would assume that they are going to try their hand at the transfer portal again when it comes to linebacker. And then you already have three linebackers, uh, uh, blue chip guys that are that are set to come into the program. So I think that's another name that you have, you kind of have to keep an eye on as well. Uh, a couple other names, uh, Khalil Brantley, um, even though he's shown, you know, uh, pretty good showing the past couple of past couple of games. That's a, that's a name that you got to consider just because you got three tight ends coming in. You potentially already had a Jaleel Skinner, who's a freshman, who's who's jumped him as far as in the depth chart. And then you've got Arroyo, you're going to assume, is going to be the starter uh, next year. And you also have Dominic Memorelli kind of in the mix, too. Also, maybe could possibly transfer out. So... So, yeah, so there's a lot of possibility as far as transfers. I see the Hurricanes really jumping in the transfer portal hard. And um, as we shared, um, they, um, we've heard that or it's been rumored that Miami's trying to open up spots, uh, open up to maybe up to 40 scholarship uh, spots uh, just to totally revamp this football team. So, so I mean – well, what what do you what are your thoughts on on transfers, transfer portal, you know, and where the hurricanes go? So, what people don't really realize is there's uh before this season there was a rule change with the scholarship numbers. Before, if you took a scholarship, if you took a transfer portal kid, and you only had him for a year or two, you still got you still lost a spot on your roster for the totality of four years. So you would actually be hurting your roster for the future if you took a transfer portal kid. That's not the case anymore. You get to 85 in any way, shape, or form now. So say you say you have 15 kids leave. That just means that you can bring in 15 more kids that offseason. So I think that Miami's going to completely try to flip this roster. There's only about half of it seemingly bought into what the new staff is doing. I think you're going to see some kids from Oregon – potentially make their way over here, especially if Danny, Dan Lanning finds himself a job in the SEC. And honestly, it's it's probably the best thing for the program. It's the best thing for the program to get people that are going to buy in. You see the majority of the guys making an impact this season are guys that were brought in in the 2022 class or as a transfer portal guy as of recent. There's the exceptions like the Cam Kinchins of the world, and TBD is obviously – still one of the better players in this team despite early struggles and the injuries. But overall, Mario has proven that his guys are his guys, and those are going to be the people that bring this program back to prominence, not the Manny Diaz crew. Uh, it's, it's, it's an unfortunate to see, and I know everybody wants to talk about the 43 blue-chip kids on the roster um, and that there's still you know talent on the team. That might be true, but just because you have talent – doesn't mean that you're a right fit. Uh, you could be a really talented square peg trying to fit into a round hole, and it's and it's not going to work. So th this staff knows what they're doing. That's why everybody's got to have patience with Mario and, and the and the staff. Um, but it's uh it's the best thing for the program. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of more guys bringing in uh, to bring into the program, let's talk about this recruiting class. Miami's um, ranked ninth in the nation as far as recruiting according to rivals rankings at this time and some news this week that was interesting was local four-star running back mark fletcher decommitting from ohio state mark fletcher it has been a guy that's been on miami's radar for a very long time and Miami has always been the, the, the second team on on Fletcher's list from uh, every time that, you know, I spoke to him and what we've, you know, heard 
about him. So he decommits from Ohio State, but all of a sudden there's a lot of buzz about Florida. And it could be like a narrative uh, that some of these uh, Florida writers are trying to spin. I mean, just like they tried to spin on on Malik Bryant and and Francis Malagoa, um, these are all kind of false narratives that some of our competitors are putting out there and they are basically end up being wrong. Do you think this is one of those cases where, uh, you know, some of our competitors are, 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 are putting out a false narrative about Mark Fletcher, or do you, do you believe this Fletcher to Florida smoke? I don't believe the Fletcher to Florida smoke. I, I believe that they're in the race. Uh, I think that they're close to right now, but I still think Miami's a leader. Dad grew up a, a diehard Miami fan. He really wanted his son uh, in the process to go to Miami, uh, the ability to stay home and be able to see his son play, go to practices, things like that. He is a dedicated father uh, in his son's process. The opportunity to play at Miami is is much, much better than Florida. They have two backs right now that they're extremely fond of, including a kid from Louisiana, uh, which obviously Billy Napier has ties to, um, as well as, you know, there's still other talent in that running back room. But if you look at Miami right now, it, it we love Henry Parrish and we love Jalen Knighton, but neither of them are any bigger than 195 pounds. And they have proven to not be able to withstand a heavy workload past 15, 16 carries. Mark Fletcher is a 230-pound back who has proven time and time again at American Heritage against elite competition to be able to withstand a pounding and take 30 to 35 carries against Division One prospects yeah. uh, for 200-plus yards and three touchdowns time and time again. He is exactly what uh, Hassan Haskins was to Michigan when Josh Gaddis was there running for over 1,300 yards and 22 touchdowns. So I think he fits that mold. I think yeah. that obviously Miami is, is a – is a big leader in the NIL game right now. I think that could be a potential factor in that decision. And you look at the depth chart, you look at that. Um, I think that makes Miami a leader. And, and I understand that he com- he decommitted off a visit to Florida. That's fine. But he was also at Miami the week before. So in, in, consecu- in, in consecutive weeks, he was at both schools. And I think he was doing his due diligence uh, before decommitting. Uh, I, I, that's all it is. And, uh, you know, People want to say Jaden Rashada is going to be a factor in that. Jaden Rashada has no relationship with Mark Fletcher in any way, shape, or form. He's a California kid, didn't play on the same seven-on-seven team with him. Um, right. If anybody's going to have a connection with Mark Fletcher, it would be the Cormani McLeans. It would be the Damari Browns who could end up potentially yeah. in this class yeah. as his teammate, both at American Heritage and SFE. And on top of that, Nathaniel Ray Ray Joseph, who is yep. one of the complete – complete leaders of this class. And I know they want to say Trayon Webb is, you know, talking to him, but that's great. But those are two kids that are going to be competing for one spot, uh, one potential uh, role in a committee and the Florida backfield over the next few years. Is that what Mark wants to play for? I don't think so. I could be wrong, but all the signs, everything I'm hearing from the ground floor down here in South Florida, where those Gainesville writers are not at, uh, is, is that, you know, Miami is a leader in his recruitment as of now. And everything we've been hearing for months was that there was a potential flip uh, to Miami in the cards. Um, and I think Florida made it a little interesting with uh, their conversations with him. But I still think that Miami is, is a favor here. Yeah, I totally agree 100 percent that that Miami is still uh, the favorite to land Mark Fletcher uh, based on just uh, what you said. And, and the conversation that I've ha- had with him, it, it's always been, you know, Miami and, and Ohio State, uh, Florida, I think is kind of a latecomer here. Um, and I don't think that will be enough to get Fletcher to to sign uh, with the Gators and um the other potential players that are on that American heritage football team are also thinking about Miami as well. Brandon Ennis did come out and kind of said that he was solid to Ohio state that kind of sent a message to the Ohio state fans saying that there's nothing to worry about. So I still have my doubts on Brandon Ennis flipping from Ohio state, but yay, anything can happen. 
obviously. Um, and then Damari Brown, of course, uh, also on that team and just recently visited Miami, like the vibe there. But, you know, Damari Brown will be going to the Iron Bowl, the Auburn-Alabama game. So I think Alabama is, is, is still firmly in the race for uh, Damari Brown. I think it's really a two-team two race there uh, for Damari Brown. Uh, oh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on just those other two uh, American Heritage uh, teammates of Fletcher? In regard to Brown, he's got an interesting recruitment right now because Miami, I still think, is the leader. But I, I think he's intrigued with the idea of going to Alabama. Alabama does have a little bit of a pipeline defensive back-wise to American Heritage. So it's not outside their own possibility that he ends up there. But I think that they're more focused on Desmond Ricks right now, uh, who's a reclass cornerback, the number two cornerback in the country out of IMG Academy. Uh, it was notable that Ricks, Ricks uh, I mean, uh, he kept Miami out of his top, top school's options, um, which was – I did. I did not see that happening, but yeah, I, Alabama was in there, and it seems like the college environment of Alabama is a huge factor in his recruitment. I know LSU is still in the race for him, but if Alabama ends up with with uh, Desmond, I don't think that they go after Demari. I don't think that there's a spot for him in this class. Same thing with when Cormani was was rumored to be going to Alabama. If they grabbed Cormani, I didn't think that. Damari was going to end up in that class. So it's really just dependent on the higher-ranked player ending up at Alabama. And if they miss, you know Bama's going to go after the next guy. So um, it, it, I think it's going to be something that comes down the signing day. That's what he said the other day. Uh, we, You know, you guys can check us out on YouTube. We got it, We got an interview on there. We also have an article up on the site that you guys can check out um, with some details on his recruitment. But overall – I still think Miami is, is the leader there. Dad loves Miami. Every time I see him, he's in Miami gear. Uh, and, and it seems like the kid is close with a lot of kids on the team. Yeah. We'll see yeah. what happens. But if I had to make a prediction right now, it would be Miami. Uh, and then Ennis, one domino fell. One domino fell. <laughs> now let's see what happens with Carnell Tate. I think Carnell Tate is still a potential, potential flip to Tennessee. And if he flips to Tennessee – and there's really nobody going with Brandon Ennis, I could definitely see a potential flip opportunity for Brandon to Miami. Uh, Miami's got to – got they got to keep pushing. They got to keep pushing. I think every time we talk to him, he, he talks about how Miami is recruiting him the hardest out of everybody. That is a notable, notable comment from him every time we hear from him. So yeah. if they continue to do that – there, and, and there's some turnover with what's going on with Ohio State in the 2023 class. Miami has a shot. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't bet on it right now with Brandon Ennis. I wouldn't bet on it, but I wouldn't, you know, put it outside of the realm of possibility as well because I think a lot of people <laughs> didn't think Cormani McLean would, would uh, commit to this class uh, as well, and that's another one of those South Florida Express uh, connections there. Um, you, you've got Cormani on the team. You've got uh, Ray Ray Joseph, possibly Mark Fletcher. I mean, I, I'm not going to say it's a it, it's a possibility, but I wouldn't bet on it at this point. A uh, couple other guys I just want to quickly talk about in recruiting is Ruben Bain, man. Ruben Bain is a guy that uh, you kind of uh, had some intel on um, that – that it's kind of maybe going away, uh, going away from his hometown here in Miami uh, to the state of Alabama. Um, he's been, uh, you know, of course, been recruited by Alabama and Auburn. Uh, but what are you hearing about Auburn as of late? Of course, they they uh, are going through kind of a program change, coaching change as of late. Uh, what are you hearing about the, the Tigers in Alabama? So there's going to be a rock star hire at Auburn. Um, so I don't think the head coaching decision is going to affect him at all. I think more so Rock Ballantelli, their edge coach, uh, you know, remaining on staff is going to be more of a deciding factor. But just overall in his recruitment right now, the leaders are Louisville and Auburn. It's not even Louisville. You know, Louisville and Auburn. Those are the two schools that, that Louisville, man, they really are trying to get a bunch of 305 kids, man. Like, 
I don't know what's going on. What's what's so what is what do you think is so appealing about Louisville that you got all these kids over there from from South Florida? You got some guys on the staff that have South Florida connections. You have a lot of kids on the team with South Florida connections. The, you know, the Rance Connors of the world. Uh, it, th- those are guys that are are as South Florida as they come. Out of Booker T. Washington, you know, there, there's you know a number of players there. Uh, John Heron uh, is their director of recruiting. Was at the University of Florida. Uh, used to coach basketball down here at at uh, South Dade. Is is one of those elite recruiters in college football, and then. Uh, Coach Popovich, uh, who, who actually played for the University of Miami, is from South Florida um, and, and was at Georgia Tech, um, is a guy that does an excellent job recruiting. Um, Boosie, uh, you know, is, is uh, you know former Florida State uh, icon. Um, you know, it's he's he's also there as a, in the recruiting department. So th- there's a lot of guys there that you know bring that South Florida vibe uh, to Louisville and. There's obviously a chance to play really early there. There's a chance to play really early. And, and a lot of these kids want that college um, atmosphere. It is something that they talk about a lot with a chance to get away from home. Not everybody does want to stay home. And one of, the, one of the things that I think Auburn and Louisville are doing really well right now is they're trying to bring a Miami Central conglomerate um, in the 2023 class to either program. Kateris Hicks is currently committed to Louisville. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they have Stan Clark. Clark. Yeah, Stanquan Clark is currently committed. Um, and you see with Auburn, they are trying to get Lamar Seymour to flip from Pitt. They're trying to get Stanquan Clark to flip from Louisville. Uh, they just offered Kiwan Jenkins. Um, there's some conversations between Louisville and Kiwan Jenkins as well. Um, so those are those are two schools that are trying to build pipelines to arguably the top program in Miami-Dade County. Um, and I think that's a huge portion of I don't think there's an argument of who the top program is in Miami-Dade County, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, you know, you know, I, I think that's part of the reason why those two teams lead, uh, you know, Ruben's commitment right now. The college atmosphere, the ability to to bring a whole entire group of kids that he is extremely close with, right? If you if you get a chance to talk to Ruben Bain, he is one of the best kids uh, you will ever come across. The type of yep. kid that you want your daughter to date, right? And And if you you see and if you see how he interacts with his teammates, they are extremely close. That's one of the special things about that Miami Miami Central team is how close they are as a group. So for them to be able to go to college together with the potential to bring in the young kids going forward, that's something that I think intrigues Ruben Bain. And, um, you know, I I still think Miami and, and Alabama are in the race just because they are the two preeminent programs in his recruitment. If you just look you know, traditionally and historically uh, putting guys into the NFL and things of that nature. But it's 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 going to come down to the wire for him as well. He's very similar to a Damari Brown situation. Uh, you know, he's visited all of those schools several times. I think he's been to Auburn five times with his parents. He's obviously been to the University of Miami 30 plus times. He's been to all, Alabama several times, been to Louisville several times, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple more visits to like a Louisville and an Alabama over the last few weeks of the cycle. So um, something to watch. But if, if you had, if I had to put my money on it, it would be Auburn right now. Interesting. Uh, Florida State is the one team on his top schools list that you didn't mention. So I guess they're kind of out. I think they're out. I think they're out. I think if. Uh, I think if Sabbath Joseph was still at Florida State, they'd be more in the race. Um, I think if you know they had brought his brother on the same way Miami did as a GA, he'd probably be there um, yeah. potentially. But I, I just don't think that there's enough traction there. I know Randy Shannon uh, has done a good job of recruiting Ruben Bain. Um, you know they have some guys up there that do a great job. Guy Guy Lemonier, uh and, and Mike Norvell. I, I know it's a Florida State coach, and we can't say good things about Florida State guys, but he is one of the most personable coaches. I have ever been around and I've ever seen with his players. His players will run through a wall for him. And I think that's the reason that they were in the top, top uh, five of his schools. Yeah. He, but I just don't, I don't see any real traction there with Florida state and Ruby Bain. Okay. Okay. Fair. All right. Just one last player I wanted to kind of mention, because uh, he was kind of in the news this week is Christopher Johnson, the Dillard running back uh, fastest player, arguably in the entire state. Uh, this was a guy pegged to go to Miami pretty much from the summer until like maybe mid 
uh, season here, but now it seems like everything is pointing towards Ole Miss. Um, how do you feel about that? I feel weird about this situation. I feel weird about this situation because it seems whoever has Chris Johnson's ear last is the, is the team that becomes the favorite. He recently went on that visit to Ole Miss. From what I'm hearing, he tried to commit on the visit. Dad put a stop to that. Or we're going to wait till the end of the process. Dillard usually does a pretty big production on, on early signing day um, with all their kids. Uh, as we saw with Nigel Lee Kelly and Devon Warner last year, uh, the, those didn't even come out until the very end. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think he likes the idea of Lane Kiffin. But here's the question. Does Lane Kiffin stay? Does he get that Auburn job? Does that change things with Ole Miss as well? Um you know, does Mark Fletcher potentially ending up in the class affect Chris Johnson? It's a lot of those things I think are going to have to play out before he makes an overall decision. I would say right now Ole Miss is the leader, but there's so many moving parts in that recruitment. Yeah. And also there was rumors that he midweek this week he was stopping by Miami. It, so Miami's still pushing for that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see, uh, you know, another visit to Miami in the cards where they're – you know, trying to get back into his ear and letting him know, listen, we still love you. We want you here. Stay home. There's no reason to go to Ole Miss. But the the high the high octane passing attack and and and, and the ability to to run out of spread uh, for Chris Johnson is something that I think intrigues him. They, they, they've shown him the ways that they would utilize him as a back, and I, there's probably more touches available for him at Ole Miss than there is at University of Miami, just because. We know how explosive Chris Johnson is, but there's still yep. development to be had uh, for him as a running back uh, just because this he really has like one and a half years as that bell cow running back for Dillard. He hasn't been like a guy who's a four-year starter uh, for, for American Heritage like Mark Fletcher is. So overall, I, I think it's a fluid recruitment. I would put Ole Miss as a leader right now, but just uh, it's going to come down to the wire for him as well. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, just my assessment of Christopher Chris Johnson is, I feel like he could be the next Jalen Knighton. He he has that potential to be that uh, just because of his explosive ability, but I do worry about his durability, as I worried about that with Jalen Knighton. Uh, but we'll we'll continue to monitor that situation. But let's dive into well before we dive into Miami Clemson, I did want to talk about maybe some coaching changes that could happen to the staff now when you when you look at our message boards you see a lot of josh gaddis hate let's let's just be let's just be honest about it and um you know i th i think like i believe you think as well i think gaddis is doing a decent job with the personnel that he has uh i think his personnel is not matching his scheme i think he maybe underestimated how how uh, the talent level of, of the offense and the depth of, of of the offense once injuries started to hit so i think gaddis deserves another year uh that's just that's just my opinion i think he deserves another year um another recruiting class and another chance to really kind of prove what he can do and that does not seem to be the consensus when you talk to Hurricanes Nation. Um, uh, they pretty much kind of want Gaddis out. Um, just some other coaches that have been kind of rumored to maybe uh, not being part of the staff next year is uh, Adai, uh, Joseph Adai, the defensive backs coach. And I've actually heard things about defensive coordinator Kevin Steele as well not possibly being retained. Of course, these are all rumors. These are not confirmed reports. Um, but well, what are your thoughts on on the on those possible coaching changes? And if they did happen, like who do you think would be the next coaches in line? So if a die ended up being taken out as the defensive back coach, I think DVD is the the easy replacement. Uh Supposedly, Cormani McLean was promised that 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 DVD would actually be coaching the cornerbacks next season. So it seems like you could fulfill a promise to your top recruit, as well as getting a guy who is an elite recruiter 
back on the recruiting trail, right? Now he can go, now he can go in home. Now he can go to games. Now he can do all these things that really he is successful doing. Does there need to be some development with him coaching the safeties? 110%. But overall, I think he would be a benefit to having as an on-field coach. I don't think he did a bad job with the defensive backs last season. So it's not a bad hire. It's it's an in-house guy who knows these kids, knows what the program entails, knows what Mario needs work-wise, right? Because we know Mario has has uh, expectations for for your time in the building, right? It's 7 a.m. to 9, 8, 9 p.m. at night. or long days and long nights yeah. work, working for Mario Cristobal, and it seems like he has that dedication um, as a young coach to be able to bring that energy to the team. In regard to Gaddis, if you got rid of a Gaddis, I mean, you have to go after a splash hire, right? Like Scott Frost or something along those lines. You can't just bring in you can, or you can't just elevate Frank Ponce. That that would not be the answer for me. Uh, you have to go. You have to have a big time offense coordinator so you can compete the way that you want to. If you want to compete for national championships, you never see teams like Alabama or or Michigan or or Ohio State or Georgia, go get subpar offensive coordinators, right? Like it, it's got it's who's who's they're paying up for offense coordinators. That's almost as important as as the head coach position, right? Like it, yeah. it's just a day and age of football that we play now. Offense is important, and we're seeing it as the biggest complaint for the Miami Hurricanes. But I think the person the coordinator that is most likely to be gone next season is Kevin Steele. The, the Kevin's, you know, if Kevin Steele's gone, I think you got to go find yourself somebody that's a young coach, a young defensive coordinator with energy, exuberance, right? Like a young type Dan Lanning type guy, right? Um, you know, I, I I know Glenn Schumann was a potential candidate uh, for the defense coordinator position uh, before they hired Kevin Steele um, that from Georgia. That That's somebody that I would like to see them try to pay up and go get. I know it's tough to go get guys from Kirby staff. Um but it wouldn't be the first time when and got to die. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, you got to bring someone who's young in because some of the things I've heard on the recruiting trail uh, in regard to steel, it's not that they don't like him. Um, it's just that he doesn't excite any of the recruits in regard to playing for him because he's not, he's not a big name. He's not a really, you know, entwined guy with the modern age of, of college football. Um, and I, and I think that, you know, there are some kids that, that might not be buying in because of him as the defense coordinator. Yeah, a name I like as far as defensive coordinator is Charlie Partridge. Charlie Partridge is a defensive line coach out, out at Pitt. I think he's he's a guy that has developed players. Uh, it's not like Pitt really gets the, the splash blue chip type of defensive line guys, but he's able to develop some guys that will uh, potentially be NFL draft picks. I think that's a guy uh, that you kind of consider if, you know, Kevin Steele leaves. Uh, Like I said, I think he, uh, you know, deserves, deserves another shot and he will have a chance to prove himself against Clemson this Saturday. If he can game up a uh, 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 a plan to to beat that Clemson defense, then I think you know his job is one hundred percent safe if he's able to pull out uh, this win. Because not only does the win uh, you beat Clemson, um, obviously Clemson is the you know they're, they're the the flag waver of the ACC, and and which a lot of Hurricanes fans hold the record dear to their heart. Miami holds the record for most consecutive home victories at 58. And uh, and Clemson has the longest current winning streak at 39. So that would be just monumental in itself. So let's just kind of dive into this Clemson game, Frank. This is, uh, you know, when, when, this, when this game – when we saw this game on the schedule when it first came out, we we always knew, okay, well, it was circled uh, on the schedule, and and we were excited about it. I think uh, this game has definitely lost its luster. It's 
it's not as ex, as as you know exciting as as when we saw it, when it first came out on the schedule here, but still a big game, still a big game. Obviously, you win this game, you become bowl eligible going into your final game of the season at home at Pitt. And you're arguably playing against one of the best defenses in the nation, arguably arguably one of the best running games in the conference, or the best running one of the best running games in the conference. Two areas that Miami hasn't really been particularly strong at. Um, Miami definitely has a chance to win this game. But I think that chance is very slim uh, just because going into a hostile environment, Clemson is still in contention to make the college football playoff. So obviously they're playing for something here as well. And that defensive line is the best defensive line that they'll face all year. And I, I just don't. I just don't see Miami running the ball effectively in this game, which will force who we think Jakari Brown's going to start. It will force Jakari Brown to throw and make make uh, big time throws on third down, or get third down or convert third downs with his legs, and that's a lot to put on a true freshman's shoulders just coming off his first start here. So what are your thoughts on the game just uh, going into Saturday? I think Miami just needs to be competitive. <laughs> it's, uh, they just need to be competitive, man. It's uh, it's going to be a tough one. Will Shipley is one of the best running backs in the country. What they call him? They said he's like, where's Waldo? <laughs> in, the, in the press conference, yeah, you got to just try to find him. Yeah. You got to just try to find him. Um, you know, and, and, and listen, DJ, uh, I cannot pronounce his last name, is is still one of the tougher quarterbacks they're going to play. He's not an easy player to bring down. He has some running ability, and we have seen Miami struggle against running quarterbacks. So I, I think he's going to try to take advantage of those uh, those rushing lanes against the, the linebackers of uh, Corey Flack and Caleb Johnson, uh, opposite Wesley Bissain. Um you know, and, and you spoke about the defense. It is one of the best defenses in the country. Uh, you know, the, the Trenton Simpsons of the world and, and, and guys like that are, are extremely talented. Um, I don't know if Brian Breesey uh, playing in this game, but if he is, right, if he is, if he's healthy, that's that's a potential number one pick in the draft, right? So uh, it, it's there's a lot of talent on that side of the field. The linebacker core is really good, Jeremiah Trotter, uh, you know, defensive backs are always super sound. Um, it, it, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game. I, I think that, you know, if Miami can control the clock, run the ball really well, keep it close with a chance at the end, that's a win for this staff and a huge momentum, uh, you know, builder going into that pit game, uh, which is, which could be the ultimate decider of if Miami gets into a bowl game or not. Yeah, but – um yeah, back to Gaddis though, man. If he's some, if he if he can keep this game close, Miami is a nineteen point dog in this game, which is just scary to look at because uh, basically Vegas thinks this is going to be a blowout um, to 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 some degree. Uh, I think it's probably going to end up in maybe a, a ten to seventeen point range best case scenario worst case scenario this is going to be a, a 42 to 3 game you know um the thing about this game and every time we play clemson it it, it it's a reality check it's like a gut gut punch to the <laughs> to the stomach it lets you know where you are with the program and the last time the last few times that miami's played clemson that that gut punch, you know, caused us caused us to vomit, you know. Uh, so it's you're hoping it's not that, but when you look at this season, what tells you that it won't be that? <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't think it, it it will be close where Miami has a chance to win this game late, but I do hope it's going to be a respectable. Uh, result. Um, 
you know, just you talked about Brian Breesy, but Miles Murphy is another one of those possible top 10 draft picks that they have on, on this uh, defensive line. Cristobal mentioned earlier this week that, you know, this is where you want to be. You know, this is where you want to be basically as a, as a program. And this is going to be, like I said, it's going to be a reality check. It's going to be a, a, a indication of where you are in the program, because if you can't compete with Clemson, then it, I think in Hurricanes fans, you, you're 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 not back. You're not you're not a, a a formidable program. I think once Miami is competitive against Clemson, and we're going to see them more often in the next few years, based on the uh, relinquishing of the uh, division starting next year. I think you, you really will understand how long or how far it's going to take for Miami to really truly be back. And um, I think uh, this is uh, this is going to be another one of those games that you just kind of hope that you get out of there healthy, you're not embarrassed, and you're hoping to see some uh, some creativity from Gaddis, because if you don't, then the Hurricanes fans on the message boards and everywhere else on Twitter are going to come, come come down hard on the Miami offensive coordinator. Yeah, I, I think if he can prove to be an equalizer in this game, right, where the offense looks competent against one of the best defenses in the country, this is going to be a huge, huge argument for him to, to maintain uh, his role as the offense coordinator at the University of Miami. Uh, I think Clemson's going to score points. It's just uh, the nature of the beast, right? Uh, We don't match up very well, especially on the back end, that corner, against what they have skill position-wise. So uh, that's going to be a tough watch for us, I think, with uh, the likes of Tyreek Stevenson and DJ Hyvie, despite them having some some strong games. Um, But if he can come in and do some things, especially if Jakari Brown is a starting quarterback, uh, where, you know, they can give some trouble to the defense of Clemson, uh, you know, kind of avoiding the Miles Murphys of the world, the Brian Breeses of the world, and, and utilizing the read option game and, and, and screen game, um, trying to get some of our more athletic uh, receivers in space, um, trying to get Colby Young in some one-on-one situations, then I think it, it, it's it's an argument for him to stay. And I, yeah. I think that Mario Cristobal believes in, uh, in Coach Gaddis. I think it's more so getting the Miami community to believe in Coach Gaddis. So this is a huge opportunity for him. Um, I think he's going to do well. I, I think even against the Texas A&Ms of the world, and, and they're not having a good season, right? So, But at the time, they were one of the top 20 teams in the country, 25 teams in the country. So we, we've seen against defenses where he, things have opened up, right? Like there have been guys open. It's just a matter of, you know, executing it and, and, and hitting holes and, and the offensive line blocking it right and guys running the right routes and hitting the right depths and making the catches. So if, if the players can come out and execute it, I think Gaddis is going to look good um, in, in a potential primetime opportunity. Yeah, and this is also an opportunity for Coach Steele to really kind of show what he can do as well. I think Miami's really going to hurt inside in the trenches, especially with Leonard Taylor likely not playing in this game, Harrison Hunt all already ruled out. So you're potentially going to have a Jordan Miller or Antonio Moultrie kind of playing alongside Daryl Jackson, which, you know, they haven't played a whole lot this season. And to put them in their environment such as this, when you've got the likes of Will Shipley pretending, you know, running down your throat, I, I don't like that scenario, and um, I think Miami will probably be able to get some pressure uh, on the quarterback uh, if they can force them into third and longs, if that is if that is the case. But I just don't see that. If I'm Clemson, I, 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 I just try to run it down the throat, run it down Miami's throat, and I, I think that is what they will – try to do and uh, and like i said with the depth issues that miami has it's going to be tough 
for Miami to stop that. And then once you're into, you know, second and short situations, that's going to really open up the offense for Clemson. So DJ can make those, you know, easy throws or, or check down throws for first downs. So it's going to be just a tough game overall. They're going to be motivated. Like I said, they're still trying to find their way into the college football playoff here. Uh, you're just kind of hoping that uh, that Miami just kind of has a, a nice showing uh, on Saturday. And you're, you're also hoping that Jakari Brown kind of follows up this uh, Georgia Tech game with with a, a, a nice game here at Clemson. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of him running the ball. I, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, zone read uh, with, with him keeping the ball. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of that. And I think that is going to be the driver of this offense. If they're able to do that effectively, then that may open up some things for them offensively. But if they are unable to do that, it's going to be a long night for the Hurricanes. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope it's not, right? Let's hope it's not. Yeah. Let's look at the positive. Let's look at the positive. Yeah, yeah. Gas is going to come out, prove why he was a Broyles Award winner. Coach Steele is going to bring some of that magic that he had when he was actually at Clemson, right? He's going he's gonna to eat that environment up. Um, and Jalen Knighton uh, is going to run for 110 yards again. And Jakari Brown's going to run for, you know, 100 yards. And, and Miami's going to be in the race. Yeah, yeah, and they'll be bowl eligible. Well, we'll we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see. All right. Uh, anything else you want to touch on, man? I think we kind of covered everything. Nah, man. Nah, man. I think everything's pretty covered. I, I think you know it's just gonna be a fun you know last few weeks of this twenty twenty three cycle. A lot for us to talk about. Uh, Samson, Oakland, Lola. We're still watching that. Um, yeah, you know, that's. that's that's going to be that's going to be the big fish that I think really either decides if this is going to be a top five class or if we're just top ten, right? So that that's that's the biggest thing I'm watching. Damari Brown watches there too. Mark Fletcher watch. There's some potential big fish for Mario Cristobal to 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 go and get. So excited to see uh, the rundown on this 2023 cycle. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, just very quickly. Yeah, you did mention Samson Okunlola. Um, the Florida writers are talking about him too now. Uh, going, going to Florida. Apparently, all the Miami uh, targets are going to Florida here. Yeah, every single. I don't believe that smoke either. Uh, I I do believe believe that he he did take a visit to Florida. Uh, but I don't. I still believe he's strong with the Hurricanes. I think there's just more potential upside with him down in Miami. Yep, so it's going to be fun to watch, but always fun, always fun doing this with you, brother, and uh, and excited to do next week uh, when, when we're bowl eligible going into pit. <laughs> I like that, positivity from Frank. I mean, breaking news here on the Storm Tracker podcast. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap it, us, wrap it up for us. Remember to subscribe to us on YouTube and subscribe to the website, canescounty.com, part of the Rivals Network.